Chapter 8, Out of Nowhere, The Mind Comes Forth. The Diamond Sutra says, Out of Nowhere, The Mind Comes Forth. We're, um, we just sat for five minutes or so. Uh, anything come to anyone's mind that they want to feel like sharing? I laughed. I said, out of nowhere. Just... <laughs> Yes, uh, Melissa. It it struck me. Um, my my grandson, uh, from the time he started talking, has expressed extreme knowledge and interest in Judaism. From nowhere, I mean, yes, my family is Jewish, but he didn't know that. He had no idea what it was. And he started asking the most interesting questions and telling us interesting things. And to me, that's that's what that is. Like it, it just came, it just came forth. It, I we don't know from where. So, so something I've noticed is. Uh, in every koan I've ever met up with, there's the absolute and the relative. And there's the merging of these two or how they go together. And so the out of nowhere is the absolute. And then the relative is the mind. You know, that's what we actually, and and I'm just so interested, for example, in, in, in art or in, in our writing, uh, where where do these things come from? I'm always asking Emily, you know, because she has such a imagination. Where does this stuff come from? Would you say Emily out of nowhere? It certainly seems that way, but I don't think it's out of nowhere. The ancient Jews believed all uh, thoughts came from God. Hmm. which is kind of like an out of nowhere to me. I know when I write, that's how it feels. How is that? How is that? I'm so curious about that. Where this stuff comes from. You know, we're just this biological mechanism. It's cool that like um, it sometimes it takes just a small little puzzle piece to make the picture clearer. Um, what do you mean? Well, you know, like a, an unfinished puzzle. Yeah. Um, and maybe you're like struggling with it and then you find one piece and it sort of seems to be the key and you start to go faster and faster. Perhaps it becomes more clear that one little piece that you didn't expect would be meaningful in any way, but somehow it is. You're just talking generally or about this koan or both? Generally. Yeah. Like the, mm -hmm. the puzzle piece can be like a thought or a memory or a, 
Yeah. A color, a taste, a smell. And it's, um, it seems like it's um, not meaningful. And then later on, it turns out to be quite meaningful. It might be a little piece too, right? Mm -hmm. Well, our prompts are that way, which is why everyone has such a different response to them. You know, we, we all look at the same prompt. We all read the same prompt. And yet the diversity of what comes out of the pen, so to speak, is amazing. I used to have these three rules for making art that I would tell students. And that is that your art can't come from anyone else who's who's in any from anyone else who's lived in any other time or any other place or any other body. I you know, something like that. That's four. But anyone else, any other time, any other place. So, you know, we're all unique in that sense. So I think that accounts for the variation in the responses to prompts. You know, like I asked my grandson, I don't know if some of you might have seen it, why, why wasn't he born as a blade of grass? So he'll answer based on who he is, his experience. You know, I'll answer in terms of mine. There's such a great contrast between nowhere and the mind come, coming forth, isn't there? Mm -hmm. I love that. Malin? I have nothing. <laughs> you have nowhere? Be careful what might come forth. Mind is coming. Look, even the contrast of the words I and nothing. You know, nothing is more like nowhere. How can you have nothing? You know. How can you come out of nowhere? Come, the words come, I mean, the out of implies there was a somewhere. Mm -hmm. And how can that somewhere be nowhere? So the last, the last few weeks, the, the world makes no sense at all to me. So this is, <laughs> this is kind of the same thing. Hmm. Huh. Have you noticed that the, you can, you can, uh, nowhere is also now here. Oh, yeah. That's great. Mm -hmm. I just saw that. Don't we go back and forth, Milan? between things making no sense and then clarity and then 
I woke up with such clarity this morning. Last night, nothing. Should we go on? What do you think, Emily? Yeah. All right. Page two. Next page. So I guess, um, let's see, it's Cody, me, Kim, Melissa, Malen. Reading order. I don't think I can advance the page, Kim. I don't think. <laughs> actually, actually, let's just try something. There, there's a way. Here we go. I can't remember how to do it. Okay, there is a way. Okay. Michael Spore and I used to do that because he would complain how that I wasn't fast enough. Okay. Um, uh, I think I read the second time. So okay. Maybe yes. Mm -hmm. Light playing on children's faces. You tell me you're innocent and you're clutching the loot. Woman, Wike. See if there's anything on it. Spring rain, the girl is teaching the cat. In both both of these, there's something very concrete and also something very ethereal, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm sorry. We didn't finish the that. Oh. Let me make the page a little bigger. Do a little better. There we go. Oh, that does make a little difference. Spring rain, the girl is teaching the cat to dance. Kobayashi Isha. That's like my world right now. Sounds nice. Is it unsettling or is it nice for you? Well, it's like some weird thing, a mixture of weird things, mm -hmm. a cat dancing. Mm -hmm. I think it's your turn, Malin. Time organizes itself into journeys. The standard idea of how to fall into a profound change of heart involves seeking knowledge afar, afar. Yet, it wisdom comes out of nothing, the way the Big Bang and hydrogen and gravity 
and space-time did, then it is possible that the standard idea is not true. Going on a journey depends on the assumption that some, something it is lacking at home. It can seem so obvious, obvious that something is lacking now that most people never check. Yet, such an idea could itself be a fiction. What if you did check and found that nothing was wrong? Then you might go on a journey just for fun. And children, before they are taught to go to their own long journey, might understand that whatever part of life they have is complete. The koan. The Dhamma Sutra says, out of nowhere, the mind comes forth. Working with the koan, usually people work hard to make things happen. Yet it might be that things happen by themselves, coming out of nowhere. Here's a story about understanding coming out of nowhere for a child in kindergarten. Some of the old school buildings in Los Angeles had high ceilings and clear story windows. A boy was sitting at his little chair in kindergarten when he saw the yellow light coming in through the high windows. Dust motes swirled in a beam of light. He noticed how bright they were and kept watching. Then, suddenly, there was no distance between him and the light. He disappeared. He didn't know how long he was gone. There was no time. When he heard a voice calling, he didn't recognize the name at first. It didn't have anything to do with him. Then he heard the other children laughing and wondered what were they laughing about? It was the teacher calling him. After that, the things he saw were beautiful in themselves. Faces seemed more real and what was real was beautiful. He didn't really have a name anymore. He was the beam of light and it didn't have to be a beam of light. It could be a Coke can or another child and he would feel that connection. His sense of yours and mine had shifted to something like, my hamburger is yours, your house is mine. When the grown-ups around him fought and argued, he felt sad for them that they didn't understand and couldn't see what he could see. Uh, my experience of being a, well, Cody, what happened to you? You read. Oh, well, that's right. My own experience of being a child was that we were little monsters, fighting, stealing, boasting, lying, and tricking each other. And at the same time, the trees above us and the afternoon blessed our shouts and the gravel in our knees. We took life for granted because we knew something important. Here is my story about what children know. I was three or four and used to play <laughs> in the gutter outside my grandparents' house where my family lived. This was mildly, mildly, though gratifying, offensive to certain adults who muttered things like gutter snipe, 
when we had to walk around my mud pies. Once I was playing with a couple of new trucks. So it was after Christmas and I was with Robert, a boy a little older. He told me how Robert had broken into his house the night before and stolen his toys. His parents were apparently helpless in the matter. What a stroke of luck, I thought, that I have these new toys just at this time. So I gave them to him. You're muted. Sorry. At that time, my parents were fairly poor, and I only had about four toys, so they noticed and asked after my trucks. I told them about the robbers and my good luck. I saw the geometry of their faces rearranging itself. In a flash, my understanding rearranged itself, too, and I realized there might be hidden corridors in the other boy's problem with the robbers. The interesting thing is that I felt, then felt sad that he thought he needed to that he thought he needed a truck to be happy. Trucks are good were good for playing with friends or giving away. That was obviously their only purpose. Children see this communion of all beings until they arrange themselves more tightly, and then they don't. The child's mind is not free because it's a child mind. It's just free because it's free. Here is another example of the free mind at work. Usually, people think of death as, as very important and gruesome. Yet, if you are ident identified with the background, the inconceivable nowhere that the foreground came out of, that might not be a terrible significant event. It might not mean what you expected to me to mean. When her mother was dying, a friend took her young son back to his grandmother's home. The grandmother had a special bed. Can you change the page, please? Oh, sorry. with a railing around it. The boy couldn't walk yet, but was cruised along using tables and a bit railing to hold himself up as he went. The two women watched him. He took very cute. He looked very cute, which was their word for fussness. The dying woman said, oh, I'll always remember that. If children can have natural, a natural clarity, you might too. Even if you remember no operated enlightenment experience, there might be no good reason for this clarity. It could be something that just is the case, like a tree, like life. All you would need to do is to notice that things are clear. Watch you throw overboard the idea that things are not already clear. You could find that courses of action appear to you out of nowhere, just the way the next moment does. Your navigation 
could unfold by itself. And the universe might provide the beauty and happiness you seek. When you forget your carefully assembled fiction of who you are, you can find a natural delight in people, in the planet, the stones, and the trees. There is no observable limit to this beauty, and no one is excluded from it. Then, if you are fighting an enemy, you may be fighting them as well as you can, but you won't be a true believer. You will know that an enemy is not truly other, and that the fighting is some kind of misunderstanding. This worry that leads to quarrels, the worries that lead to quarrels may still be present, but they are not the main thing. Your problems could be a kind of dream, very powerful when you're in it, and yet a dream. You might notice that even deep in dreaming, you are near to waking up, and the more you are awake, the kinder the world might seem. So, um, we are done with this koan. I said, what do you all think? And then I said, there's certainly something about dreams and imagination. Ah, uh, I didn't hear that. I know, because I was muted. Uh, well, so where do we live? Do we live in dreams? Sometimes, right? If your problems are a dream. There's a Lojong, uh, a Lojong. Do you know about Lojong? Lojong is, is uh, L-O-J-O-N-G and it's training and compassion. And there's a number of slogans and there's one, life is but a dream. Can we read a little bit about that? I think it connects. You want to? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Sure. And Norman Fisher has a beautiful book of Lojong that um, let me see what I can find. I have the book too as a as uh Here's Pema, Pema, Pema children on, on uh, was a little bit on it. Here we go. Regarding all dharmas are dreams. Whatever you experience in life, pain, pleasure, heat, cold, and, or anything else is like something happening in a dream. And have you noticed, I mean, for me, when, um, I'm dreaming. I'm certainly not aware that I'm dreaming. Do you guys have the same experience? Mm -hmm. So how do we know right now that we're not dreaming? 
although you might think things are very solid, they are like passing memory. You can experience this open, unfixated quality in sitting meditation. All that arises in your mind, hate, love, and all the rest is not solid. Although the experience can get extremely vivid, it is just a product of your mind. Nothing solid is really happening. So these are different Lojang sayings. If, if you want to see more, I'll uh, go to the Norman Fisher thing. Do you want to? Well, that was a lot to unpack, just that. You know, um, yeah. The uh, nothing solid is really happening. <laughs> that can be rather disturbing for some people. Um, well, it's it, it's talking about all that arises in your mind is not solid. Mm -hmm. Norman Fisher has kind of a unique uh, way of of uh, talking about the Lojong slogans. Just a second. Here. This reminds me of, um, I, I met this little boy, I said, uh, what do you want to do when you grow up? And he said, I want to find what color the universe is at the edge of the universe. Huh? <gasps> How wonderful. Oh, I'm not sharing yet. Okay. Sorry. That's amazing. I know. I, I want to go to the one about life as a dream. Um, I'm going to. Uh, here we go. It takes a, a minute to build the. Um, here we go. Seventy-nine. See everything as a dream. Okay. Should we read this? Sure. Okay. Whose turn is it? Uh, might be yours, actually. I think everything is always passing away. That's just how it is in this world. As soon as something appears, in that same moment, it is already gone. Everything that exists this in time is like this appearing and disappearing in a flash that's what we mean when we say time is passing things do certainly seem to be here i am here you are here what you see outside your window is there but the closer you look the less clear this is 
the me of today must be slightly different from the me of yesterday and the me of tomorrow, because I know for certain that the me of 50 years ago is quite different from the me of today, almost completely different. The me of 50 years ago is completely gone and no trace of him could be found anywhere. He must have disappeared decade by decade, year by year, day by day, moment by moment. But how? It really doesn't make sense. Now it is today. Where did yesterday go? And where is tomorrow now? <laughs> you can't say. Nor is it really clear where today, where now is. As soon as you try to figure it out, it's already gone. So this is, this is so. You have to wonder whether it was ever really here to begin with in any hard and fast way. Things are always slipping gradually away. If we thought about it, even for a moment, we would have to agree. But this is more than a thought. It is also a feeling. If we stop for a moment our busy activity and actually take stock of ourselves, as we really are right now, feel our life at this instant, we can note a wistful sense of unease at time passing. We can actually feel this as an underlying mood or sense about life. It is quite unmistakable. And he, he's kind of defining uh, Zazen, isn't he? Mm -hmm. Okay, so after me is? Me. And I'm not muted this time. This is what the slogan is pointing out. We actually do live our lives as if a dream is trying to grab something that isn't really there. Think about this. You are reading this book sometime during a day of your life. Maybe it's early in the morning or late at night. Whatever time of day it is, you assume that the earlier part of the day actually happened. But did it? How can you really verify that? The past is completely gone, and so quickly. There is a memory, yes, a vivid memory, but a memory is not the actual concrete fact. It's a, just a memory. Certainly, you can find others who will agree with you that today really did happen, and that it may never occur to them or to you to question it. But what proof do we really have? Mass illusions are certainly possible. Everything is like this. It's a memory, even while it's happening. This is a psychological fact. The brain registers experience a moment after, it, after the experience has happened. Life, actually, scientifically, is a kind of illusion. It's very hard to actually put your finger on experience, and the closer you look, the stranger it gets. The truth is that there are many things that just don't add up, and you go about your business without investigating. But when you stop to reflect about it, or just stop to look at something or listen to something ac <clears throat> accurately for a moment or two, just stare at something or try to feel what your own mind feels like. At such moments, the oddness of it all comes home to you. Life is like a dream. So uh, what do people think about this? Mm. 
because it's um, another question is why would this bring about compassion even compassion for oneself i mean we tend to take things very seriously don't we and you know shakespeare said too all the world's a stage and we're just actors which is kind of a dream thing isn't it yeah i don't know what do you take of it emily um it seems um it seems a bit final and i'm not sure for me i'm not sure it reflects an authentic experience um for me like i think this is this person's authentic experience but um i'm not in that mind state in my life right now. Um, and I worry that it throws away maybe a little too much. It discards a little too much. Um, One of the dreams that that I have, and probably you guys have too, is that the wor that I'm the center of my world, and I have here a drawing. I don't know if I need to show it, but in the zendo, we one time for a dharma talk, we all had to draw a picture of ourselves in the middle and our world around us, and then we ch change these pictures with the person next to us, and. Um, I was so surprised that the person next to me didn't have me in the center of their drawing. You know, so this this way we perceive the world is really constructed. Yeah. And mm -hmm. so, so what's what's the real world? Who's in the center of the real world? Well, and and to me. I get what this is saying, I think, but it comes to me that while we're trying to live in whatever the reality is that we're living in, as interesting as this is, does it really change anything? Does it really change how one deals with life? It seems to me it's, 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 like many of the things we've read, really, I can see how they can change thinking or perception or life. And this is sort of, to me, well, this is really interesting to think about. But in the end, does it really change? Would it really change my life? Mm, well, it changed, it so. changed, you know, it, the idea that, that you're not the center of everyone else's universe could change your life and could bring about compassion because oh, then you could start to see things through their eyes definitely so you've constructed the world your world you've constructed and it's all from your vantage point it's like looking looking in a certain direction and believing that 
everyone else is looking in that same direction mm-hmm. and seeing things from your perspective and from your history. Yeah, so I guess we kind of go through that when we when we do Zen writing, where we realize, oh, not everybody has the perspective that I had. It, it's, uh, and their perspective is quite a surprise often. Mm-hmm. And there's some part of it that says you're wrong because you didn't, you're not seeing it my way. I'm not every night, but sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, or when you tell a story to a friend and they say, well, I don't see that he what he did was so bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, then you think to yourself, well, what's wrong with my friend? Why don't they see that he's a crud or whatever, you know, whatever you want to. So I think, Malen, you're next. Where, where are we? You can really appreciate. You can really appreciate this slogan in meditation practice. When you become more present to passing time than you usually are, here is an experiment you can try. A very simple one. Try catching the beginning of any thought or emotion, emotion just as it arises. See if you can grab it right there, just as if, just as it first appears in your mind. Sit in meditation very attentive, very alert, and try to do this. I think you'll discover that this is impossible to do. First, there is no thought there. And then somehow, suddenly, as if no time had gone by, you're in the middle of the thought. It didn't have a beginning. It is just there as if it were there all along. And then it's gone. And you don't know when it started to go. It has just evaporated without warning. It's really impossible to catch a thought before it it arises or to see it pass away. And it's impossible to see your own mind, impossible to see the contents of your mind because everything is like a dream that appears and disappears. And we don't know where it come from and we don't know where it went. I used to do this thing in meditation of imagining I was a troll by a bridge and I was waiting for the next thought. And and I don't know if I got this from, from him, but but it will never come. As long as you you're on guard, no thought will come. And the second you lose down, you you loosen your guard, then the thought comes when you're not aware. So you have to try that. Just stand ready for the next thought. And the, it seems the readiness for the next thought takes the place of the possibility of the thought coming. Okay. The important thing about this slogan, the effect it is trying to coax us into is relief. The same relief that comes when you wake up from that nightmare and your whole body suddenly relaxes because you realize that dive situation you seem to be in. In a moment ago, 
is actually okay. It was just a dream. Your anxiety disappears and you immediately lighten up and relax. Even the worst things can exude some lightness. Yes, this is terrible. This is not what I wanted. Not what I'd hope for. Not what I'd work for. Maybe even what I I had feared. But also, it's not that bad. It's like a dream. It's happening and not happening. Soon it will be in the past, so I can look at it differently. I don't need to validate all of these dire thoughts that only make matters worse. Maybe I I don't need to be so worked up about it. Maybe I can just figure out how to deal with it without the extra measure of anxiety and freak out. Man, that that hit home for me, uh, especially in the beginning, uh, if you can go back. The, the thing about the same relief that comes when you wake up from a nightmare and your whole body suddenly relaxes. I remember uh, back in 2005 before, uh, it was the same week I was about to deploy to Iraq. I had a, I was in my barracks room and I had, I was laying there asleep, you know, normal and I had this dream that I was like on a patrol. I was on the ground and I walked around this building. And um, so as we uh, walk around the corner of the building, it opens up, you know, and a shot ring out and I get hit and I just fall and hit the ground. And I'm laying, I'm lying on the ground uh, on my back and I'm looking up at the sky and the sky is like clear blue. And then next thing you know, the darkness just comes in and comes in and just wipes out all the blue and until it's just like complete darkness. And um, so I'm I'm just I'm just lying now. I, I haven't opened my eyes yet, but I'm like I'm I'm asking myself. I'm like, am I dead? You know, am I dead? And and then I was like, no, nah, this this isn't real. This isn't real. It's, it's just a dream, you know. And then I then I finally opened my eyes, but then my whole body was just stuck. I couldn't move. Like it, I was, it was a paralysis, but it, that was one of those things that, uh, pretty, pretty, it scared the hell out of me as, uh, as it was happening. And you remember it? Like it was yesterday. Yep. I, I mean, I could visualize it. Uh, just like it happened. It, I mean, it happened almost 20, 20 years ago, and I, I could still see it just like I saw it when it happened. So the experience felt very real. Yeah, it felt really real. And and I, and I guess because I was getting ready to leave, uh, I think it... I that. It, the same week I was leaving, they what happened was they kept pushing my flight back, and um, so I think like I was supposed to leave one day, and they're like, "All right, you're gonna leave tomorrow." So then the tomorrow comes, and then they're like, "You're gonna leave tomorrow," and it just it went on for like maybe about 
four or five days and like kind of in between i guess the anticipation ended up having that dream what's the worst thing that could happen and your body was like this uh i don't know i mean <laughs> I, I don't i don't know it was it was just weird i mean I, I never had a dream like that before like it was so real that, yeah and that wasn't the last one uh like in that regard but the, the second one i had it, it it wasn't um it didn't have anything to do with deployment but it was just like i was in the bed sleep somebody kicked in the door and then shot me and and it, it kind of played out like with sleep paralysis and whatever but it wasn't as bad as the as the first one So, um, I'll keep reading. Uh, this is not a gimmick. Everything really is a dream. Everything really is like a dream. When you train in this slogan, meditate with it, repeat it to yourself, apply it to your daily experience, it begins to change things for you. When you find that you are upset or angry, when you're having a day, when you're mad at yourself, or someone else, and you are hammering on yourself or complaining about someone else for some reason, you can remember to see everything as a dream. And your mind will snap into a more alert presence. You can lighten up to some extent. You will find that you can lighten up to some extent. Everything is passing. Every problem, no matter how tough, is already solved, even as it's developing. Well, I'll try it. What do you think, Malen? Can this help? Seeing life as a dream? Yeah, it helps. Good. This is a nice thing to come back to. I haven't read it for um, maybe five years four years. Um, I, the author, Norman Fisher, came to the Austin Zen Center when he had just written this book and did a workshop about it. And then uh, Michael Spore, I don't know if you know him, he comes sometimes to morning meditation and to, oh, and women in Zen. And he, um, he and I, every week, read one for a year. And then... Um, and they've they've gone through them too in the uh, Wednesday noon program. They're just finishing now. I'm starting an incredible, incredible book called The Six Perfections. Right here, right here. That's one of my favorite books. Oops, let me go off the uh, 
And I think they start at uh, Wednesday. Let me unblur. There we go. A really fine book. Reflections on what? The... Uh, they're also, it's also called the six paramitas and it's uh, generosity, uh, tolerance, morality, wisdom, um, energy. It's the positive things that a monk would have who would, um, uh, an enlightened monk would have. So it's, but he, he has a very neat uh, way of looking at these things. For example, in the thing on tolerance, he talks about how um, if your friend's getting beat up, tolerance would not be standing by and watching, but would be intervening. It's really knowing when to be tolerant and when not. Mm -hmm. But he's not taking this as, uh, and generosity is considered the most important and comes first, you know, but it's not like it goes way, way beyond, you know, just giving half your salary to the church. Mm -hmm. That's cool. Like giving part of yourself as you're listening to someone. Mm -hmm. So, Malen, it's quite a dog you got. Okay, gang. Huh? See y'all. Mm -hmm. Bye. Bye.